0: The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio.
1: Yo, welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Tuesday, June 20th. It's a new episode of Mostly On Track. What's up, Jeff Woody?
0: Man, this is fancy. I mean for those of I, I don't know if we have cameras. I don't know if the cameras are on.
1: They are on. The That's why the on. red
0: light is on. So for those of you that can see this, this is like the fanciest version of Cyclone Fanatic that has ever existed. This is a studio, furnished by the Nebraska Furniture Nebraska Mart. Nebraska Furniture Mart, yeah. That did a terrific job. And you walk in, you're like, wow, this actually feels like a professional studio. It just took Chris twenty two years to get it to feel yeah. professional. Remember
1: when we used to do our live streaming show uh, in a conference room from somebody's office?
0: Yeah, from somebody else's <laughs> office while other people were working at the same time. There was somebody. Yeah, the, for people that have asked, like, oh, you, are you guys going to bring back the, you know, the Woody's whiteboard or whatever things, the, the yeah. whiteboard segment. we literally did that someone behind the camera like where you would set up that camera where you one you had to be like a local news reporter and bring your giant ass camera in there you had to set it up and then literally if you were to look behind the camera there was just there was just a gal that was you know doing billing and invoicing for, for a company that we're using their her office to shoot those videos with so we've come a long ways
1: yeah uh and we were using an ipad we didn't know anything of what we were doing uh we were just we were winging it
0: We still don't know what we're doing. We
1: still don't know what we're doing, but now we're winging it a little bit less in a much
0: fancier location. Now we are slightly, it's just, uh, yeah, it's less guessing. We're still guessing, just degrees of guessing is smaller.
1: We've got plenty to get to on today's podcast. First things, Bob Huggins, uh, his looks like his career could be coming to a close, but his career, at least at West Virginia, comes to a close after he resigns due to an arrest for a DUI early Saturday morning. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about san diego state and their letter to the mountain west and the mountain west telling them to uh to to shove it basically after uh in response uh but first jeff you've had some people reach out to you already if there's anybody that needs any proof that cyclone fanatic advertising works here you go go ahead jeff Woody. yeah
0: so we mentioned this literally the first time uh last tuesday when we recorded mostly on track is that we're our product called goldfinch speed which is literally taking our speed program and giving it to anybody who is specifically with rural schools and rural locations where you don't have access to a facility or some place that you can actually do speed training. We've already had four people uh, reach out, two of which have already signed up. And uh, ages on those have been there. The ages of those athletes have been anywhere from 12 to 17. And three of them are rural. One of them is just has a busier schedule and lives in a more metro area. So like, we've already had people reach out. So I mean, good job, Cyclone Fanatic. So hey, appreciate the appreciate the capacity to to send the message. I know the other sponsors do too. So I don't know, as a, not not as someone on the network, as someone who is a trying to get the word out of a service that you really, really love. The fact that Cyclone Fanatic doesn't partner with people they don't really actually like makes it so you feel good that when you do get on there, they're going to be, you're going to be supported by them. So as an advertiser, I don't know if anybody's looking for it. I'm going to, as an advertiser on the network, do it. (laughs)
1: There you go. There you go. That's a ringing endorsement right there for, uh, for us here at Cyclone Fanatic. Uh, all right, let's hop right into today's topics. Bob Huggins arrested for OW or for a DUI early Saturday morning in Pittsburgh. Uh, the, was it Columbus? It might have been
0: Sher- uh, Sherrodsville. <laughs> no, I was talking. That's, Bob was so intoxicated. No, that's what I'm saying. That was the yeah. other place.
1: He said Sherrodsville. Sherrodsville. Yes.
0: Columbus or Sherrodsville. Yeah. He was so intoxicated he didn't know where he was. Yes. The fact that he didn't kill anyone is absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's really where this entire thing starts is that, you know, it's really sad because they're like, there's nothing funny about
0: it. You know, the criminal complaint has elements of it that sound comedic. Like if it was, if it was an episode of Ollie Sunny in Philadelphia and like Danny DeVito's character was performing some of the things that were in the affidavit, uh, you're like, or the criminal complaint, you're like, ha, what a silly thing, but that's a fictional show. Mm-hmm. But then you think about it in real life and the fact that he was in a, a motor vehicle operating in that way and somehow managed to not hit anyone or anything. I mean, good on him, or not good on him, good for him that that didn't happen because, I mean, God forbid, that is the way that, I mean, it's, it's bad enough that's the way his career goes out, but if he were to hit someone or something, uh then that's, it makes it substantially worse.
1: Well, it you have to think that he hit something at some point to have shredded his tire the way that he did, which is kind of what started the entire thing was that he had a shredded tire and couldn't get his car pulled off onto the side of the road. And so he had to have hit something, whether that's a curb or what we'd, we hope, you know, yep. that it was a curb or something along those lines. Uh, but, I mean, he blew a two- a point two one zero, which is almost three times the legal limit, and you got to be like blacked out. The fact that he's even still standing at point two two one zero is pretty so,
0: incredible. So, for as a comparison, like this is a fun one of the f- the more fun stories that I've, I've had is so having fairly good experience with what BACs are because so one of the members of our gym is a police lieutenant and his he's friends with the people that train uh, state troopers and stuff like that and they have to be really, 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 really strict for this. And you have to go through a pretty good amount of scrutiny for it. Um, but there is, if you're trying to train officers on sobriety testing, the best way to do that is to get compliant citizens to a level of intoxication that you would see in a safe environment where they come in the police, the the squad car picks you up or the officers pick you up, bring you to an area there. You're supervised by multiple officers. Then afterwards, they make sure you're sober enough to go home and they drop you off at home and that you have someone there to actually receive you when you're home. Like it's a strict process, but because I I knew someone in that process, I've done that a few times um, and they you sit in a room and they try and get you to be at like 0.08-ish and that level of 0.08 is about what an, an officer would need to see it's because if you're 0.02, you're not gonna get point o- pulled over in the first place and if you're 0.2 they don't have to breathalyze you. They know you're drunk. Like if they don't, that's not a requirement for being arrested for drunk driving is you don't need to be breathalyzed to prove it. Like Bob Huggins, I bet they, I mean, they, they breathalyzed him just to see, I'm sure just to see, but they could have arrested him for it anyway. So one of the things in that process when they do that is the first time that you go through it. So I've done it f- four times. And so the, one of the times, the, the first time that you do it is they have, you, they breathalyze you right away to make sure you're a, a point zero. And then they breathalyze you right before you go to field, the field testing with the cadets. And just to see that you're not at an unsafe level and make sure that you're whatever. They also do it in between where they have you like raise your hand at a point when I'm too drunk to drive. Like I, at this point, I would feel uncomfortable getting getting behind the wheel of a car and they'll breathalyze you right there to see what you're uncomfortable with driving is. And for most people, it's somewhere between like 0.05 and 0.06. I felt uncomfortable. I was like 0.058 was the... BAC that I was like, all right, like the world's t- a little tippy, like, and that was for me, I'm a 230 pound athletic at this point, like 29 year old. And that was after probably five beers in an hour, like a pretty good pace. And that was 0.058. And I didn't feel comfortable driving because the world was a little bit tippy. He was almost four times that. And like the, the drunkest that I have ever blown in one of those is a 0.1 two or point one, three. And that is like really uncomfortable. The fact that he was in a vehicle at point two, something is beyond me. How that is like, that is, it feels like one to get that level of drunk and not have a backup plan is on Huggins. The second thing is whoever is around him, whether that's a bartender, whether that's a restaurant tour, whether that's a assistant coach or a friend that's around him. That is if anybody was even there to say, Bob, No, like I I don't, I mean, if a a guy sitting next to him at the bar noticing that because he's not at point two, he's barely walking straight. Mm -hmm. Like whoever was around him to let him get in the vehicle at that level is, I don't want to say just as culpable, but should feel some responsibility that at point two, he's not thinking for himself. It's just, you know, try and stay awake. Yeah. Everyone around him should feel that same level of responsibility for letting Bob Huggins get to that point.
1: And it's, it's especially sad because this is what he's probably going to be remembered for this. And then along with the, the thing that happened about six weeks ago on the radio in Cincinnati, where he used the homophobic slurs a couple of times and that, you know, there were people who wondered if he was drunk when he did that because of how easily some of those things slid out of his mouth, you know, and just like the out of pocketness of it, it made you wonder. And everybody knows the stories about huggins you know there's been the long running rumors about when he would come to ames and you could spot him at different places around around ames like these are things that people know that people knew were happening you know and people in the basketball community knew were happening which is what to me is confusing because from everything that I've heard since then, the people that are around him often say that he did usually have a driver. So like that's where they don't even understand where this sort of disconnect of how this even happened and everything like that. But regardless, it's a really horrible thing and it's really terrifying. And it, if you're going to get in the car like that, at, at that level, then man, you know, you have no fear to do it at any other level which makes it clear that this can't be the first time that something like this has happened. And which is why at the end of the day, there was no other way for this to end than for him to be either relieved of his duties or to resign. And he's probably lucky that they allowed him to resign rather than firing him.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the, the, you know, you talk about this, like the sad part is it, it goes from, it, I don't know, it, it sort of feels like everyone has that friend that, I don't want to necessarily say like has an alcohol problem, but it's like, everyone has that friend that's like, ah, oh. Johnny's going to get into a bar fight. It's just one of the things that Johnny does. Then all of a sudden, Johnny punches someone and knocks that person out. And then that person goes to the hospital. And that funny thing, that attribute to like, ah, Johnny's getting a bar fight. It's like, well, Johnny might be facing assault charges now. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that like, it does come as a little reality check that like, these are people that when things happen, it's not just some mythic story that something goes on. It's like, Ah, huggy bears out till three in the morning at a bar it's like ah that's one little personality quirk you know this isn't trying to be like the morality piece coming down on everybody but at the same time it's just understanding that like you play with fire enough times it goes from being a funny crazy story to being like potentially life-threatening for him and or the, everyone around on the road and or this around is, the road
1: and this is something that has a lot of impact just on on a lot of people, like not obviously just the act of what happened, like obviously that could have had impact on a lot of different people if it had gone horribly wrong. But you think about him doing this, the impact that it has on the, the young men that are inside the program, on the assistant coaches who are relying on him to have a job, on the support people that rely on him to have a job. Now, who knows for them, you know, there's these assistant coaches, who knows what's gonna happen to them, you know? I imagine they're sitting there and they're like, man, if we hire a new coach, And he wants his own guys in here. It's mid June. I'm not going to have a job. You know, am I going to have to sit out a season who else is looking for assistant coaches in mid June? Not very many people, you know, and you know, then you look at the players who now have 30 days to enter the transfer portal. Like they thought they were going to be coached by Bob Huggins. I would have to imagine that the country road group or whatever it is, that's called the their NIL collective is probably sitting there right now thinking, man, we're going to have to figure out a way to find some more money because there's going to be guys I, I would be finding really hard to believe that some of these guys aren't going to think about jumping in there and at least shop around.
0: Yeah. You know, like you, you don't necessarily have to leave your job, but if you're, if you have an opportunity, you get another job offer from some other company, that's reasonably the same as the job you're doing. And that job is $10,000 more. You take that back to your employer and say, Hey, company B is going to offer me $10,000 more. Uh, would you, I, I, I will likely leave, but I'd like to stay here if you can match or even get close to this offer then you have leverage in that. And so at this point, because they're able to go on the transfer portal, they would be, they would be dumb not to at least kick the tires on mm-hmm. what another offer would exist because a lot of those guys came in for, to play for Bob Huggins, Bob Huggins and money. Like, yeah. Yeah. Let's call a spade a spade. They play, came here because they it's Bob Huggins and money. Well, if money was part of the equation in the first place, and now you have an opportunity to get more of it then. Yet more of it. If money was never part of the equation, you know, like a, a guy like Tame and Lipsy comes to mind, like Tame and Lipsy was going to come to Iowa State, probably regardless. Mm-hmm. Parents are professors here or parents work at the university. He grew up in Ames. His earliest memories are like at Hilton Coliseum. Tame and Lipsy probably wasn't coming to Iowa State or wasn't for sure wasn't coming for Iowa, to Iowa State for money. So having the capacity to make more money doesn't really seem like it would involve, that would be involved in a decision calculus of someone like him. But for someone like, is it Kier Kreisa, the one that came from Arizona? Kier Kreisa, yeah. Kier Kreisa, coming from Arizona, I would imagine money was part of the process. Like money was part of the decision-making process. And now- at, Jesse
1: Edwards uh, from Syracuse, the big man. Like, yeah.
0: the, There's no way that they just came for Bob Huggins exclusively because if you're coming for one specific reason, then or one specific coach, there's a lot of coaches you can go to. It was probably a combination of the two. And now Bob Huggins is gone mm-hmm. and the money part's gone. So like you really got to reconsider what the purposes of your being there are. And again, if, if, well, we, I would assume the money's not gone. I mean, I would think that the money is still going to be there. That's true. But yeah, you yeah. Have, if you have the capacity to renegotiate that, oh, it's yeah, not yeah, gone, yeah, but yeah. Like you have the capacity to renegotiate that and change 50% of the decision-making then yeah, do it like hell go, go get your money, man. If your money right. is part of the process, go get it.
1: And those are guys that are going to be, that would be able to play for just about anybody that they wanted to right now. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's why I think that Really the big story now, it has nothing to do with Bob Huggins. Like what Bob Huggins goes and does, I hope that he finds help. That's the first thing. I hope that he finds some sort of peace because this is, this is a horrible deal. You know, and obviously it tarnishes his legacy a significant amount. Whether or not he coaches basketball again is irrelevant. But the, the big story to me is what are these guys going to do? Because this transfer class was so highly touted. I mean, can you hire someone? as an interim coach who was the who was working for Bob Huggins can you stay with the Bob Huggins tree like how much do you have to distance yourself from Bob Huggins now if you're West Virginia or how much do you feel a need to do that
0: well it feels like it if it was something as a continuation of what he had said on the radio like you know i, I don't want to come up with any hypothetical but if it was a continuation of like a um a cultural problem within there like what comes to mind just immediately is like the Art Bryles stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Art Bryles and everything that Art Bryles or everything was associated with Art Bryles was absolute radioactive waste because it was a cultural allowance uh, within the entire program that anybody associated with them, don't touch them. Like they deserve, some people in that program, I'm sure deserved punishment. Other people are just going to be innocent bystanders that just, again, it's they are beside, they're standing next to Chernobyl when it exploded. Huggins feels like his is more of a, personal issue like a, a thing that is just about hugging so it doesn't feel yeah. like it's the same you can't an associate or an assistant head coach their version of what kyle green or jr blount like it doesn't necessarily f- impact everybody else at the same way that something like that would but i mean you you'll, you got what like i mean i Iowa state's going to go to the bahamas to play a tournament in august i would imagine west virginia has something similar to that as far as exhibition matches whether or not it's in the bahamas or if they're going to be playing somebody else you got like 2 months yeah to find a person who can do that it feels like an internal hire is the most logical and best mechanism to do that if you have unless there's an absolute rock star sitting out there that you don't know
1: i was just saying it sounds like they don't really want to do that where they hire like an interim for 1 year and then i i think that sounds like the best idea is to hire hire one of the assistants make them the head coach for a year do everything you can to keep that recruiting class together and then you figure it out from there because most of those guys are realistically going to be gone anyway Mm -hmm. after next year. So it's like, we just need to figure out a way to keep this ship from sinking completely right now, you know, because there is, there just, is no margin for error. Like we know this in this league, there is no margin for error to where if you, if you lose a handful of guys and all of a sudden, you know, you're like starting on your roster again in July, good luck. That's the recipe for where you're going to be finishing with Central Florida, in in the Big Twelve. Well, this
0: feels sort of like, um, no who, offense to Central Florida, I, it's just realistic. It's some offense to Central Florida. Um, so who is I, I forget the, Rodney Terry at Texas. Yeah, it feels like this is a Rodney Terry situation. I mean, it in a similar way when Chris Beard uh, did what he did, or you know, allegedly. What well, I don't know what happened yeah. with it, but uh, alleged Chris Beard, if he did or allegedly when Chris did what Beard went he did, to
1: jail and had to be fired. Yes,
0: right, that when that happened. Uh, it's the middle of the season. Like, not yeah. the middle, it's the very beginning of the season. They don't have time to hire a coach. They bring on Rodney Terry. Rodney Terry turns out to be a pretty damn good coach. So, they, it feels like, I don't know, uh, it doesn't seem like it would be the worst idea to have that if you're West Virginia. But at this time, I mean, because the transfer portal is still technically sort of open because of situations like this, whether it's with Huggins or somebody else or, you know, whatever, the transfer portal is still like sort of open. But it feels like the rosters for the basketball season are like, 85% set across the country now. So now that we have 85 ish percent of the roster is full, West Virginia now slides anywhere between what like 2 if they're mm-hmm. if everybody comes back and they find a Rodney Terry to like 13. But anywhere in between there. So this has a huge impact on the rest of the league because there is really you know you mentioned you uh South or Central Florida they're really the only, I don't want to say cupcake, but they're the only team ranked outside the top 100 in the the general aggregate rankings. So if West Virginia is going to lose a bunch of transfers and they're going to start, if they're going to suck, then that changes the rest of the league that they go down. You have a couple, you have two easy games in the conference. And depending on who plays West Virginia, who plays Central Florida twice during the league, then it affects the standings. Like there's a lot that this has to play out into that changes the dynamic of the basketball season by the time you get there yeah
1: it'll be interesting to track here over the next handful of weeks they need to get a hire done as quickly as possible i would imagine and just in in order to to get some of these shores up short up uh before we switch topics i got to tell you about hinterland music festival coming up august 4th through the 6th just south of des moines in saint charles iowa uh headlined by bonnie Vare, zach uh zach brian maggie rogers you like any of them jeff
0: all of them actually yeah you, that's you like really, all of them that's really way down my alley
1: Uh, are you going to go to hinterland music
0: festival? Uh, I actually have every single year since 2017 have wanted to go, but it's this exact same weekend as CrossFit games, which as a gym owner, I need to go to not need to, I, I, that takes precedent, but like it's the same weekend and I'm always mad that it's the same weekend because the lineup is always incredible. Like there have been times when they've had like trampled by turtles is another band. They've had Chris Stapleton's been at there once or twice. Like it's always an insane lineup and I just can't, it's always the same weekend and I can't do it.
1: Well, if you're like Jeff and, uh, and you want to go, but you actually have some follow through since he doesn't have any follow through, he wants to he wants to go, but he doesn't actually have to ha- you have the, the time to, you so to take out back. of his day and I will
0: kick you so and, hard in
1: the and follow through on his wishes and desires. You can get music and camping passes right now at hinterlandiowa.com. It's coming up August 4th through the 6th. There's a bunch of other bands coming that'll be uh, filling up the set list as well. Uh, just south of Des Moines in St. Charles, Hinterland Music Festival, August 4th through the 6th, hinterlandiowa.com. And if
0: I'm not mistaken, they have a kid area too. So this is, it's not like you're going to be going to like Lollapalooza where everyone's just like doing acid and oh, around. Here we go. Uh, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, uh, all that's more your type of music festival. It's what, Lollapalooza?
1: Lollapalooza? Oh, no, that's way too many people for me. Way too many people for me. Uh, all ages. This is this is included in my notes here. All ages are welcome at Hinterland. The festival even has a fun-filled kid corner called Hinter Kids, featuring a shaded, air-conditioned tent full of free, unique crafts every day and a special performance by Cuckoo Kangaroo.
0: That's who you would go through. You just you want to see Cuckoo Kangaroo. That's I just want to go in. hang
1: out in the air-conditioned tent.
0: Honestly, could you imagine though? Like, let's say you want you're you're really excited and you're going to this music festival. You're bringing your six year old just because. You know, childcare for a whole weekend would be kind of expensive, and you bring him, and there's no air conditioned or no uh, shaded area to take a six year old, and you just have a pouty, fussy six year old for forty eight straight hours.
1: Is Cuckoo the kangaroo? Is that uh, is that the one that sang the kangaroo song in Big Daddy?
0: <laughs> what what a deep cut. Honestly, I don't remember. The last I saw Big Daddy fifteen years ago. Last time.
1: Have you seen that movie, Aiden? You're young. Oh yeah, yeah. Eden's here. He's producing for us today. Uh, I I need answers. I need to know if Cuckoo Kangaroo is the same one that sang the Kangaroo song in.
0: I'm guessing no, because that's 20 years ago, and it'd be a little bit weird. Not necessarily weird, but it'd be odd to be performing at the kids' corner at hinterland. What if you showed up and it
1: was the exact same guy? all the and like they never advertised it I'd be like hold on you the
0: guy from the kangaroo song is at hinterland and you guys didn't put him on the set list you missed such a huge opportunity and why is he yeah why is he not in the billing put him on the top billing yeah Bon move move (laughs) Maggie Rogers I understand you're really good really great songs cuckoo kangaroo come on buddy
1: Zach Bryan, you've been selling out arenas all over the country okay we need you to calm down a little bit we got cuckoo kangaroo tonight all right (laughs) We're gonna get killed. For- <laughs>
0: Chris is gonna. Be- I told you guys to do an ad read. I didn't tell you to shit on Cuckoo Kangaroo for seven minutes.
1: Uh, the Kangaroo song. I hope they. I hope he sings it. If, if uh, anybody goes and they see a twenty-nine-year-old standing in the front row screaming "Kangaroo song, Kangaroo song," they'll know who it is.
0: Also, you wouldn't wouldn't be able to see over him because he's six foot seven. <laughs>
1: true i also need to tell you about our friends at gravitate co-working they talk they talk about them every week on the uh, williams and bloom pod on sunday nights here on cyclone fanatic if you are looking for a place to uh whether you want to get a desk or you want just a place to be able to get out of your house and get away from your kids if you work from home or or anything like that we uh we strongly recommend you check out our friends at gravitate co-working they've got four great locations in downtown des moines uh, in the east village in midtown and windsor heights and then the uh, co-working space out in Jefferson as well. Uh, that's Gravitate Co-Working, one of our uh, longtime sponsors here with Cyclone Fanatic.
0: Also the owner of that, great name. Jeff Wood. Great name. He's all, man, I didn't even think about that. You guys are almost twins. He's a G, Jeff. I'm a J, Jeff, though. He's a G-off.
1: an <laughs> imposter, Jeff. Sorry. Sorry, Jeff Wood. Sorry, Jeff Wood. Thanks to Gravitate Co-Working for being a sponsor of CycloneFanatic.com. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. Uh, All right. Last thing before we uh, sign off here, San Diego state on Friday, sent a letter to the uh, mountain West conference, hoping to get an extension on their, uh, on the date to which they need to alert the conference that they're going to leave. That date is July 1st. They wanted a one month extension to that on July 1st, uh, San Diego state's exit fee from the league would go from 17 million to 34 million. They They're hoping to get an extension, get it to where they would not have to double the exit fee because right now they know that they are likely to get an invitation to a Power Five conference. We all can assume that that is the Pac-12, but they're waiting for things that are out of their hands to be settled. That means that the Pac-12's media rights deal, uh, there has since been reporting that the Mountain West responded and denied all of those requests. Uh, Not shockingly, not shockingly, uh, because San Diego State basically told their wife they wanted a divorce unless they can't find someone else who wants to marry them first.
0: I, I was gonna say the same thing. I want to, I want to leave you. But I, I don't want to leave unless I know that I'm landing somewhere. Would you be fine if we filed the divorce paperwork, but dated it like a month from now? Are you cool with that? No, of course, I'm not cool with that. you are gonna leave, leave this is shit or get off the pot situation. Yeah. Uh, It's funny, though, with San Diego State, and like this, this falls more like I feel bad for San Diego state because they have never been a hotter commodity than right now coming off their basketball season. They've their football they stadium, new football stadium, yeah. brand new football stadiums done. They've had a lot of like Rashad Penny was uh, San Diego state, like, you know, uh, all American, all everything. They've had a lot of good players come from San Diego state. They have, you know, they are as strong of a, they are the strongest non power five brand right now. And they can't do anything because the only natural partners that would make sense would be the PAC 12. And then if the big 12 gets really itchy because none of the other PAC 12s, none of the four corner schools, Arizona, Colorado, none of them else comes. San Diego's a long ways from everywhere. Then you end up in a position where the only place that's remotely close. If it's just San Diego state that comes on is Utah, which is still pretty far for like a tennis meet on a Tuesday night. So they don't really have a natural thing. So the PAC 12 seems like they are the most reasonable option, but the PAC 12 keeps kicking the can down the road consistently for the last like 10 months the thing that should have been done which just comes which brings back Brett your mark is really good at this mm-hmm. because if this if he had not gotten on this sooner to set the market rate of what the contract should be, excuse me what the contract should be then the pac 12 would be able to negotiate basically whatever they wanted because there's nothing to negotiate or compare against so there's nothing they have to try and satisfy their member teams with so if your mark didn't get the deal to say here's the bar at was 30 something million i forget yeah 30-ish uh, yeah, it's like 33 million 33
1: something like million that.
0: something yeah. like that that's the bar and so by him setting this by him getting that contract done early he's essentially throwing the cards in the table and throwing the gauntlet down to the big 12 or to the pac 12 to say this is what you need to get in order to be comparable to us because we are your competition us the big 12 the acc and the pac 12 are about theoretically the same level uh, all things held equal the Pac-12 or excuse me the SEC and the Big 10 are just they're playing a different ball game that realistically not going to be able to get the same contract value as those guys are so your mark getting this deal done sooner puts the pressure on the Pac-12 to try and negotiate their price higher and now that they now that price is that's the mark if they come in way lower which the estimates on their contract value has been in like the mid to low 20s. Mm-hmm. If you're Colorado, and you're looking potentially at what your best landing spot is, because the big 12 already has, hey, if you come over to our side, you're going to get $33 million. If you stay with these guys, you're going to get $21 million. Everything's on the table. And so your mark getting that done sooner. That's the reason why that power play makes so much of a difference is because now the PAC 12 is stuck, because if they don't get their invite, their, 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 TV contract value up to a high enough point it doesn't have to be necessarily 33 but if it's not close if it's 29 i I would imagine every school completely stays together because it's close enough the the hassle of moving would be a pain in the ass right but if it's not close and you're arizona and you're colorado and you're looking at this thing or you're washington or you're oregon and you go big 10's got this much packed or big 12 has this much and we're gonna get 60 percent of that I don't think this thing's going to last and they have to jump. So that's why these, I think that's why these negotiations are lasting so long is because the PAC 12 needs these numbers to come in high or their four corner schools, their Colorado's, their Arizona's are going to be looking to get out because they can get more elsewhere. And San Diego state is just left in the wings. Like what, what are they going to do?
1: Well, and I think realistically they're, I mean the PAC 12s played themselves so bad that it's not even funny at this point with this entire situation because they had so much confidence that they were going to be able to get a deal done that was going to be similar to the big 12s that I think that that's why they continue to kick the can down the road is because they're hope they're hoping that some white knight is going to come out and save them. And it, it just becomes increasingly clear that that's not going to happen, but they're stringing along other people in the process. Now, like San Diego state is being impacted by this San Diego state's not even in the conference. SMU is being impacted by this. SMU's not even in the conference. And like, if you're San Diego state, how do you set your budget right now? You have no idea what you're gonna what you're gonna have to spend money on what kind of money you're gonna be bringing in like you have no clue because you're not in you're theoretically not a member of a conference like you basically just told your current conference yeah we're not gonna be here very much longer but you don't even have a conference to go to because the conference that you need to go to doesn't know how much money they're gonna make you know so it's like and then in the meantime you've got people that have been Pray, like singing their good praises every single week and, and all the time. And every time that any kind of news comes out, it's got to be good for the pac 12. It's got to be good for the pac 12 or something like this. When all of these things were so blatantly clear to not be good for the pac 12, the best thing that the pac 12 could have done is from the very beginning said, Hey, you know what? I don't know if we're in a very good position. We might need to figure out a way to change some things. Instead, they drug their feet. Kick the can down the road over and over and over and over and over again. And now everybody's screwed. Now, what's everybody going to do? We don't know. Nobody knows. They have no idea what they're going to do.
0: Well, and the thing with the Pac 12 now, and I don't honestly like, you, you kind of selfishly look at it like, I'm going to really side distraction. I watched last night, I watched the movie Extraction. Uh, it's the Chris Hemsworth movie. Don't watch it with your kids. Like, it is exceptionally violent. But when you're watching that movie, and the good guy or the main character like shoots somebody in the face, you're like, ah, yeah, take that bad guy. But like if you're watching it from the other perspective of like the other, you know, maybe you're, it's not a bad guy or some you're, one of your favorite characters gets shot in the face and you're like, oh no. I mean, it's just all perspective because you're rooting for one particular outcome to happen. So this bad, this objectively bad thing, somebody gets shot. Uh, you're sort of happy about it. So like from the big 12, it's been pitted because of what happened in realignment the first time when the pac-12 snagged colorado and then every time since then it's always been we might go get oklahoma state mm-hmm. we might go get texas so it's always been this sort of this pitted against each other honestly it's better if the pac-12 is strong and healthy it is better for college athletics if there are multiple areas that are multiple kind of smaller governing ish things that can do it now granted this is a separate conversation with the ncaa has zero jurisdiction it would be substantially better if everybody got the same rules but like Imagine if there wasn't the NFC North, the NFC East, the NFC West, the NFC South, and it was just the NFC. And then everybody has, sort of had to play everybody else. And you kind of just fell where you fell. So by not having these smaller clumpings of like schools, you lose rivalries, you lose uh, consistent scheduling, you lo- you, your travel becomes substantially worse. So like, it's better if the Pac-12 is good. But the problem is the Pac-12 hasn't been good, like in sports or in management. And so you don't want them to necessarily go under, but when you're looking at it and saying like, are they going to be sound? And like, you look at the guys like Wilner and you know, those, the, the people that are generally on team PAC 12, it's more a rooting interest than it is an actual factual interest. Because if you're looking at it objectively, rose colored glasses off, again, I want the PAC 12 to succeed because it is better if the PAC 12 succeeds. But if you're looking at this from an outside perspective, how can you say that the PAC 12 is in a strong position? when in order for them to be successful, they need to maintain all their member schools and likely add a few. Like realistically, the, if the Big 10 has 16, the SEC has 16, the Big 12 is going to have 14, uh, the ACC has 14. And so if you have all those conferences have 10, 12, 14, whatever, the Big 12 had 10 for a while, uh, which was fine, but there were bigger name brands and more success that were coming out of it. These 10 schools that are remaining in the Pac-12 don't have enough clout to really do much so they're going to start floating down in oblivion. So they need to add schools.
1: If would, it, would it shock you if somehow Oregon and Washington state ended up in a position where they like had to join the big 12 Oregon and Washington. You mean? Yeah. That's what I meant. Oregon and Washington. Cause I just think right now they're, they're going to be so far behind where they want to be able to compete at that. I And if the big 12, big 10 has no interest in expanding westward further, like I, I think that they're going to be in a position where it's like, we have no other option. Yeah. And, and that's just like, I'm not, I don't know anything. That's not me necessarily like reporting something or having this inside information that's just me speculating like right now i don't know what the answer for them is going to be because like unless they're going to get a significantly skewed uh an increased payout from what i I mean that's a lot less money than everybody you know it doesn't matter like who you bring in or any of those kinds of things like they're going to be fighting a serious uphill battle to be able and like and they have nowhere to go
0: yeah well and they have nowhere to go and they also don't really have Uh, and just thinking of like to complete that thought, they don't have any certainty on it. So if the PAC 12 is trying to negotiate this thing, the best way for them to do it is going to be add schools. They aren't even in a position to add schools because they don't know if they're going to be able to have enough money to add schools. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to add San Diego state, which would be easily duh, 100% layup PAC 12, take San Diego state. They can't, they don't, they're not in a position to take them because they don't know what this deal is going to be. They've this, the whole headquarters switch thing this TV deal mismanagement. So yeah, if you're Oregon or Washington, who are use in or who are generally in the competition at the highest level type, you know, they're, they're, whether it's football or basketball, or even, you know, whatever their Olympic sports, their track and field, which is the Oregon track and field is the best in the country. And so if you have those programs that are used to competing for national championships, at a certain point, if you're not able to to get the same facility information with some it does it doesn't affect you right now like having 20 million dollars instead of 40 million dollars this year doesn't really matter but to my understanding and this would be something that would be if chris gets to say or you get to sit around sit down with jamie and asking what's the impact on having 60 million dollars versus having 30 million dollars where does that money go and come from my understanding is it's just like staffing facility maintenance compliance you know <laughs> departments that you can actually keep everything running is it's easier to do stuff. So your people stay around longer. Your facilities are a little bit nicer. Your uh, your travel is more convenient to get to places. So you can afford to send BYU on a, 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 a private, not private, you rent out a 747 to send the track team down to UCF because they have a tournament down there and you send the tennis team down or whatever versus putting them on coach you know like the things get slightly different over time and those slightly different become these huge disadvantages so yeah if you're working in washington i'd want to go it's not affecting you too much right now but give it 10 years of that right i mean that's a huge difference yeah
1: they're looking at colorado and arizona getting quartered by the big 12 and they're like hey what's up (laughs)
0: they're they're uh, y'all got any more room in the car they're the another group at on the other side of the bar that one group's getting flirted with and they're like oh oh it was like are those guys hotter than us <laughs> pulling up the t-shirt a little bit show off the guns a little bit more combing we, the hair a little bit tighter we'd beat those guys up and then yeah they're just trying to get in the line of a line of sight of who is currently doing the hitting on so yeah. they're just trying to make themselves they're puffing out the chest a little bit more un, maybe one more button on the button up is just comes off a little bit to try and make themselves look a little more attractive hey what's up
1: show the chest hair a little bit hey
0: What's up? how Sup. you doing <laughs> all right you got anything else you want to talk about only other thing is uh with i just figured this audience would enjoy it so most recent so we have i i with goldfinch athletics we have another or i do a podcast that's not necessarily sports related but this week we have Kyvan Gadson on mm-hmm. um talking about essentially how you get to how he got to be a champion next week we're gonna have morgan kane uh so for people that are interested in sort of sports related but like what's it like to do that um fitter every day. Find it wherever you find your podcasts. Just go subscribe. You get delivered right to your inbox, right to your podcast inbox.
1: There you go. Uh, programming note, Jeff and I are both going on vacation. Uh, his starts this weekend. Mine starts next week's and we're going to have two podcasts that we're going to record. You got for you guys that'll run over the next two weeks. Uh, next week, I think we'll do our rankings of the 14 big 12 football coaches uh, and then for the following week, we're going to do our ranking of the big 12 basketball coaches. Obviously right now there are 13 of them, uh, not 14 of them. Uh, so hopefully I I would assume that by then there might be some clarity on what West Virginia's situation is, but just so everybody knows when they sit there and they're like, Oh, you guys didn't talk about the new West Virginia coach. Like, yeah, it's because we're on vacation. We're recording these on Thursday and it'll be, they will be half a week in between, but we're trying to do the best thing we can to give you guys some content and make it be, relatively timeless.
0: How do you how dare you pull back the curtain so far and show the audience what we're doing? How dare you, Jared? This is supposed to be a magic trick. People are supposed to just wake up like it's Christmas morning and the bike's just assembled underneath the tree and that no one has any idea how the bike got there.
1: Yeah, well sometimes the bike falls apart. You know what? That's what last week was. <laughs> sometimes sometimes we put the bike together on Christmas morning and sometimes the bike it had a piece a screw that was a little bit loose okay we can just hope. and i took some heat so this week we're going full disclosure we're going full transparency i'm not having anybody come back and me like, oh the audio quality is bad if you if the audio quality is bad <laughs> if funny. the audio quality is bad this week you can blame aiden don't
0: blame me it's aiden's fault <laughs> that made me oh my god that was so, hey steph a plus shout out shout out to steph copley on uh anytime i just the dynamic that you and i have is really it is like a little brother big brother situation yes and the fact when either one of us can shit on the other one, that and that door is open. Oh, it's gonna happen. Oh, yeah. And Steph also feels like your older sister, who is yeah. going to continue to also shit on you.
1: And of course, she did it on her birthday, so, so you can't even talk I back. I can't even take it. Yeah, I couldn't even say anything back. It, was, it makes me
0: sick. Of course, people would manipulate their birthdays that also, way. Also, I mean, I, Steph's a nice person. Like, you can at least if you talk trash to me, you're like, oh, okay, well, Jeff's kind of a dick, but she's actually nice. So <laughs> it's it's different. It is <laughs> different. like talking trash to like. It's like talking trash to your grandpa. It'd be like, "Okay, grandpa. Like you're a nice you it be you'd feel bad about doing that even just yeah. cuz grandpa's a nice guy." Yeah. Steph's Steph's a nice she's, she's a nice old grandpa. <laughs> I'm sorry,
1: Steph. I'm sorry that that devolved that way. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.